Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Kevin, that was a fine newscast, and it is always good to see you. How are you? Oh, it's good to fill in and say that I did it because... I was telling James O'Sullivan, the, the producer, that it's for me, it's like death row, work, working morning radio. You have your final meal, <laughs> and you walk down the hallway at 8 o'clock to go to bed, and you just lie there, and you can't fall asleep. I don't know how you guys do it, you and Debbie and Michael you know, Calhoun. You know, we uh, you have to manage the entire 24 hours yeah, is you, what you have you to do. You can't have chili con carne the night before. No, you cannot. No, you cannot. you got to be careful when you uh, you have to eat dinner a little early. And because you're going to try to get to bed early. Now, people, that's the biggest question that I get. What time do you go to bed? All over, what time do I get up? What time do I get up is 3.15. What time do I go to bed? I always say try to get to bed before 10. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of sleep. But remember, I've got to watch the ball game so or the hockey game. Yeah. So I've got to be able to see what's going on so I can talk about it in the morning. So 3.15, you get in here about an hour later. Yeah. And then we go on the air at 5.05. That shows till 9. Then I work in the sports office till about noon, right? So now I've got... I've put well, in. We're a, not sure what you do back there. <laughs> so I put in an eight-hour day. Is there a pillow back there on the table? No. Now here's the important time now, yeah. noon to 3.30. What do I do in that time? you got to eat lunch, but I've got to take a nap. Is if you don't, you know, I, my other job, a very important job, is being a dad yeah. and a husband. I will be a mess at night if I don't get a nap somewhere in there. And as Jack Buck once said, a kid never miss the opportunity to take a nap. Yes, sir, Mr. Buck. I'm on it. And I certainly have. By the way, I have the uh, holiday radio show script. I just saw it. It's a 68 pager. What do you mean I just saw it? I gave it to you last week. I haven't been here. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was off. Oh, okay. Well, you're you didn't know alone. that, did you? I was off uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I did the uh, Jack Buck Awards on Thursday night at the Missouri oh, Athletic I heard Club. That. But, but yeah. I did thank you. But I didn't do the morning show for the last few days, so I'm pretty revved up this morning. I heard some good things about your emceeing of that. That's that's sort of like hurting. Uh, frogs in a wheelbarrow all those people <laughs> jumping around it's a great time it really is it was so packed that there were tables i felt like behind me to the left and right it was just like tables of people wrapped around the stage it was amazing it really was an electric atmosphere but it's the people that were in the room craig baruby the coach of the blues by the way it's a good segue to, to the show because we're going to play those speeches in the next hour craig baruby the the coach of the blues sports personality of the year carolyn kindle betts and jim cavanaugh of the MLS Ownership Group won the Jack Buck Award. And we'll also hear the Stan the Man Award, which is for uh, class, uh, dignity, 
hard work, success on and off the field for a long period of time. That goes to John Mosellock in 25 years of work for the Cardinals. He, he will hear his speech also. But, the, you know, that's pretty good. And Bob Plager and, and Nafisa Collier, the WNBA Rookie of the Year, and all the people out in the crowd, it's just it makes for a great night when you have some big names up there like that. So it was a really good time. But back to the holiday radio show. So 68-pager in the sports office. Yes. And I was looking through it. That's uh, – I'm not going to give away anything, but I appreciate the role that you gave me. I see that uh, I have. Uh, you play the college socialist. Yeah, it's and, and I work you have with to wear a hippie wig. And that oh really? And that Chris Raby uh, is the lead, which I think is outstanding. We're going to hear him on the show today at 11:45 here on KMOX as he makes his way to baseball's winter meetings. That's a great. I think he's going to totally excel in that. Now, how did that come about? Uh, he he said, Colleen, why in the hell don't you ever put me in your play? <laughs> and I said, all right, you, I'll make you the lead. We'll see how you know. He did ask last year, he said, why am I not in the play? And I said, I'm so sorry. But he said, I'm on the air more than Ryan Recker. And he said it like that. Ryan, so, Ryan Recker. <laughs> so they play a lot of scenes together. But, you know, it's going to be funny because it's a – Chris is from Chicago, and we have this rivalry about the Cubs and the Blackhawks. So in the play, he plays somebody who's from Chicago, and the girl hates him because she's a big St. Louisan. But, you know, it's a romantic comedy Christmas caper with a kidnapping thrown in, and you're the socialist. That's cool. I, I can look forward to it. By the way, I feel I have a great respect for Chris Raby because he is 100% Cardinals, 100% Blues. Yeah. He is totally fl- his family flipped in Chicago is from his childhood. And I think his parents he do pull for Christmas here. They pull for the success of the St. Louis teams for him. But his friends, I mean, this is a guy who goes back to Chicago. He is all in, folks. I mean, he has been. He's been with us for a long yeah. time. Cardinals and Blues, period. End of story. Yeah. And they come back. That is Cubs, Blackhawks territory he walks into. And he has the upper hand right now, which is beautiful. But he's always had it. No, no matter what, he goes in. Uh, sticks his chest out. He's a St. Louis and going back to Chicago. I love that. I think he's taking ownership of that. It's beautiful. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing how uh, that goes. And it uh, sounds like you've got a good show with all these highlights. We have a lot happening. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to talk uh, the college football playoff rankings come out in the 11 o'clock hour. So I have uh, something I want to throw out there at about 20 after. Uh, the, an old uh, friend of ours, remember Tim Klutzaritz was a producer here at KMOX, has come up with a 16-team bracket, and it's uh, causing all kinds of discussion on Twitter right now. It's something that he and I came up with about 20 years ago. <laughs> And college football somehow still hasn't adopted it. So we're going to get into that at 1020. But college football playoff rankings are coming out in about an hour. And right now, here's how it looks. Number one, Ohio State won. And they did it over Wisconsin. A little nervous, but they got it done. Ohio State picked up the win yesterday over Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. And in doing that, 34-21, having to come back after being down 21-7, to they have maybe solidified a spot at number one. But LSU is going to have something to say about that. LSU just destroyed Georgia 37-10. to LSU number one in the AP, but number two in the college football playoff 
with Ohio State 1 and LSU 2, it's going to make things a little interesting to see who ends up on top. Why is that so important? Because the number one team doesn't have to play Clemson. Clemson will more than likely be three, and they just destroyed Virginia, 62-17 to in the ACC championship. The number four team was Georgia. They lost to LSU. They are out. The number five team was Utah. They lost to Oregon. They are out. That opens the door for Oklahoma. Oklahoma more than likely would be the fourth team as they claimed a spot, at least stake to claim for a spot, with a Big 12 championship win over Baylor, 30-23 to in overtime. Baylor scored the last 10 points of regulation, but it was Oklahoma coming away with the win, securing the victory with a sack and three incompletions after a five-yard touchdown run in overtime led the Sooners to that win over Baylor. A couple of college football coaching moves as well as Memphis beat Cincinnati 29-24 in the American Athletic Conference championship game, and after it, the word got out that their coach, Mike Norvell, is on his way to Florida State to take over of that program. That is a big job, no doubt, but Norvell, the 38-year-old, I'm sure, is up for it. He is quite a talented guy, and so is Lane Kiffin who brings with him a little bit of controversy in the past. He hasn't been totally successful as a head coach, but he has been terrific as a coordinator at Alabama. Then he went on to Florida Atlantic, and he's been good for them. And so he is going to take over after winning the Conference USA Championship game as the head coach at Ole Miss. So Ole Miss is filled. Florida State is filled. Arkansas is not. Missouri is not. We're going to talk that over with Ben Fredrickson, the Post-Dispatch columnist on the way at 1030. A lot to talk about with Ben, who's on his way to the winter meetings as well in San Diego. College basketball, third-ranked Maryland, managed to stay unbeaten despite trailing by 14 at half time and shooting 33% against Illinois. It was Anthony Cowan Jr. made a free throw with two seconds left. The Terrapins win it over the Illini. That's a gut wrencher for Illinois. 59-58. The number three Terrapins threatened at home, but they come away with the win. Missouri won 64-54. Good win for them at Temple. 64-54 for the Tigers. Next game for them will be Sunday. Next Sunday at 3 o'clock against SIU. Javon Pickett Scored 16 points, career high for him. He will join us on KMOX at 11.05 this morning on Sports on a Sunday. The Billikens play at 12.30 today against Tulane. That game will take place in Phoenix, Arizona, the Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix. Also, it's a look at hockey, and the Blues have lost two straight in regulation for the first time all season. They fell last night to the Toronto Maple Leafs, by the final of 5-2, to two, the Leafs jumped all over him, scored four goals early. Jordan Bennington was pulled. Jake Allen came in, stopped 15 of 16 shots. But the Blues, it wasn't all about the goaltending. Their defense didn't look good. Their power play looked awful. They, they couldn't handle the puck. It was just a weird game for them. They just looked strange. They lost to the Penguins on Wednesday 3 to nothing. Just a lull right now for the Blues, who are skating today. They have practice today at 11 o'clock, so that tells you something. Craig Berube's going to whip them into shape. We will have uh, Craig Berube's speech from the Jack Buck Awards on the way. That's coming up next hour here on KMOX on Sports on a Sunday morning. But the Blues still lead the Western Conference. They lead the Central Division, but they don't look like themselves. They lost to the Leafs last night at Enterprise Center by a final score of 5-2. to two. Plenty coming up on Sports on a Sunday morning, including... Coming up next, a little look at what's happening with the college football playoff and a proposed bracket by my friend Tim Klutzaritz. I approve, but I don't know that everybody will. 
We'll let you know why this is being put together and what it could mean for college football if they went this distance. Back in a moment, it's 10-16 Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. 11 o'clock, the college football playoff rankings final announcement on ESPN. Until then, we get to discuss and sort it out. Now, the question would be, who is number one over LSU or Ohio State. Ohio State came into the weekend number one. They were able to come back and win against Wisconsin 34-21. LSU just smashes Georgia, does it with ease, 37-10 in the SEC championship game. The thought would be that LSU has done enough maybe to take over number one. That's what this whole discussion is about. And why is it so important? Because they avoid playing Clemson. Clemson's been complaining the whole time, at least their coach Dabo Sweeney, that nobody respects them. They'd have to go 30-0 and to make the playoff, etc. They have basically done that. I mean, they just can't stop losing. I mean, can't stop winning. They don't lose. Uh, Clemson just killed uh, Virginia 62-17 to and to get themselves into a very good spot as the number three. The number four would probably be Oklahoma after winning the Big 12 championship game over Baylor 30-23. to But my friend Tim Klutzaritz, who once upon a time was a very fine producer here. In fact, when I started at KMOX in 1997, he really helped me sort through some things as a part-timer. James O'Sullivan's our producer here. I used to sit in the same chair as James, who has established himself as one of our finest producers. He's kind of in that Tim Klutzaritz role now. Uh, when I first came in, though, I looked up to Tim to kind of see what, uh, you know, show me the ropes and, and learn the equipment and all that good stuff here. But one of the things that he and I did, we sat down and, and one day just said enough is enough with college football. I mean, it's like the discussion as to who's the best and who should be playing for the national championship. Why don't they do what they do in college basketball and put together a bracket? Why not? Why wouldn't they put together a bracket? And Tim and I sorted out 16 teams based on winning your conference. That gets you in. So we picked out the conferences that would qualify for that. You would get in by winning your conference, and then we would put together a blue ribbon panel that would select the at-larges. So here's what he's done with this current crop of college football teams, and you can let me know what you think about this. Actually, I'm going to read some of the tweets that have come in because this has caused quite a discussion on Twitter already. He has the number one seed is LSU. Now, the top seeds get home games, so LSU would host this first game of the tournament in Death Valley, and that would be Miami of Ohio, who won the MAC. Miami of Ohio would have to come into LSU a one against a 16. The eight seed would be Oregon taking on Baylor, and the winner of that would play the LSU-Miami of Ohio winner. On the other side of that bracket, number four seed is Oklahoma playing the 13 Boise State. And the five seed would be Penn State playing the 12, Memphis. On the bottom of that bracket, number two seed is Ohio State. Ohio State would get number 15, Florida Atlantic, coached by Lane Kiffin up until the point where he left to take the job at Ole Miss yesterday. The number seven seed would be Florida taking on their SEC counterpart, Auburn. The three seed, Clemson, taking on number 14, Appalachian State. And the six seed is Georgia, and Georgia would play the 11. The 11 is Alabama. So again, the way this would look, LSU, Miami of Ohio, Oregon against Baylor, Oklahoma takes on Boise State, Penn State gets Memphis, 
Ohio State, Florida, Atlantic, Florida against Auburn, Clemson against Appalachian State, Georgia against Alabama. I, I actually look at those 16, and I can't argue with that. Now, the top seeds, he says, get home games. The rest are on neutral sites. The first-round losers are slotted for a New Year's Day bowl somewhere. That brings back New Year's Day as a big football day. Now, here are the comments. One, the Illini football guru, Matt Moore, tweets in and says it's too many games. He says it's just too much to ask of these young men physically. Well, Tim says that he would eliminate games against Coppin State and whomever, get it down to 11 in the regular season. That's exactly right. There are too many regular season games. You cut it back down to 11 regular season games, period. And that actually enhances the regular season. There are some other people who uh, jumped in and thought that perhaps this would make the regular season less relevant. Actually, it's not true. This actually enhances the conference title. If you win the conference title, you are in the tournament, the 16-team tournament, and you play it in the month of December. All these weeks here coming up where there's nothing. There are no games in the month of December. You have this huge gap between what's happening yesterday and New Year's Day. There are no games. Now, I know that you know the kids have to take final exams and, and the, the university presidents might mention something along those lines. Look, you tell the university presidents how much money could be made in a tournament like this, and they'll change their tune in a heartbeat. Plus, these players are used to taking exams. They're used to managing uh, the academic requirements during the season, both on and off the field, uh, whether it's during this season or during the off season. That is part of being a student athlete. And I can tell you that uh, this would be huge for college football. It would eliminate uh, any of the arguments as to who goes where. And it actually would inspire, I think, some of these schools like a Miami of Ohio who feel, or a Utah or somebody like that who feels like they have to go undefeated. And even if they do, they have no chance at a national championship. Uh, this would eliminate that feeling. This actually would allow for some of these crazy upsets to take place. Unless you like having Ohio State, LSU, uh, Clemson, and Georgia or Oklahoma in the college football playoff or Alabama in there every single time, that's fine. If you like having the same teams every year, that's great. Me, I kind of like the new blood. I like hearing a little excitement. I like playing these games and, and featuring the home fields instead of playing every game at Jerry's World and Mercedes-Benz Stadium and some of these bland places. I would rather have them be in these on these college campuses. Think about the insanity that would take place. How wild would that be to have a playoff game on your campus? So it's something to take a look at. I would look at my uh, Twitter or Tim's. He is Tim Klutzar. It's K-L-U-T-S-A-R-I-T-S. Klutzarits, or mine is Ackerman 1120. Anyway, we're going to find out for real the final four teams coming up here next hour. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Ben Fredrickson checks in. What's Mizzou's coaching search like right now? Is it chaotic, or are they starting to pull things together? We'll check in with him. Who He's on his way, by the way, to the baseball winter meetings, and he's written a beautiful column about a mutual friend of ours this morning in the Post-Dispatch. That's coming up next. I'm Tom Ackerman. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. It's 1028. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 
1032 Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you. What a beautiful day here in downtown St. Louis. We're joined by the Post-Dispatch columnist Ben Fredrickson. Ben, good morning. What a beautiful read in the Post-Dispatch today about a man that you and I uh, both knew very well and the St. Louis sports community certainly knew extremely well. And I wanted to congratulate you on that column that you and I have, uh, I know, very strong feelings about. Good morning to you. Good morning, Tom. Thank you, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on to get the chance to to talk about Aaron. Um, Aaron Borchelt is the gentleman you're mentioning, and and you and I both knew him knew him well, and and it was hard to not know Aaron if you <laughs> if you had anything to do um, relative to the to the St. Louis sports scene. He was he was everywhere, and he was also uh, um, I mean he was a Mizzou guy, the big one of the biggest Mizzou fans you would you would ever know. Um, who was just. Uh, a sports fan to the point that he didn't just want to cheer about it. He wanted to do something about it. So he ushered at Cardinals games. He volunteered at every sports event the city could, could come up with, whether it was helping sports writers or, or, uh, you know, or even, uh, you know, ushering people to their seats, whatever he needed to do, he would do it. He was a selfless servant. And, um, he, he died of, of ALS at 37. Um, it doesn't make sense. It, 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 uh, it left a lot of us shocked and sad, but, I can tell you that he would want us to remember him in a positive light, and that's what his family wants. And when I found out that I couldn't go to the visitation today because I'll be going to winter meetings in San Diego, I thought i got to write something just to kind of for myself. And I started talking to people about Aaron, as we did this week, and it just, all these stories kept coming up. And every, it was really neat for me to see how so many people knew Aaron from different ways. Um, and that really, I think, showed how impactful he was across the across the St. Louis sports community. He certainly was, and he would want us to get into some Cardinals talk and some Mizzou <laughs> football coaching talk. I know that he'd, he'd be like, "Come on, guys, let's go. I want to I want to hear about my Tigers and about my Cardinals." But he was such a uh, such an amazing human being, as somebody that always had a smile. He had that big, firm handshake and yep. would look you right in the eye. He was at everything. He was at the Missouri Valley Conference. He was at UMSL. He was at Lutheran South. He was at uh, the Cardinals as an usher, as you mentioned. He was everywhere. He was at Mizzou. Uh, there was a time uh, where um, some close friends of his and I uh, talked about getting him uh, on the floor before this upcoming Bragging Rights game uh, because we knew how much that would have meant to him. And it, it breaks my heart that we have lost Aaron Borchelt. Uh, ben Fredrickson is with us, and I, the column um, is a must-read, I think, for anybody who shares a love for St. Louis sports. And I will follow up with, with something of my own that I want to put on KMOX.com this week. But um, you and I did uh, talk a little bit last week about him, and I just... Uh, you know, I first saw it, actually the first that I heard of his passing was Dexter Fowler's Instagram post, to be honest. Yeah. And, and, you yeah, know, because it happens so fast. ALS is just a terrible disease that uh, hopefully we can someday find a cure for. Absolutely. And and, and his family has asked, it's, and this is the most errant thing ever, Tom, I, I think a donation to, to, to any organization that's researching cures and, and fighting ALS would be well served in his name. His family has simply said, if you feel like donating, just pick a charity of your choice and make it in Aaron's name because he was involved in so many, they couldn't single out just one. Um, and that's really how I got to know Aaron, not through through the Cardinals or, or through the, the Valley, although he was always there. I got to know, I would see him in those places, but the first time I really met him was at the Winter Classic. 
And and he followed up with that and asked me if I would be interested in helping him with the Jason Mott Foundation um, cornhole tournament. So I got involved in that very small role, and uh, and he was awesome. I mean, he would he was the guy who would ask you to help, and then he would have done everything. And I just showed up and stood around mostly um, because that's how Aaron was. He was detailed. Uh, he was he he had his ducks in a row, and he just loved to do that stuff and to see the way he could light up a room and and coordinate an entire you know tournament of crazy people running around the beer garden with half of them were drinking and, and the other half were throwing beanbags at each other and it and it would make a ton of money for the Mott Foundation and that's how I got to kind of see him really shine and and I and that's what I wrote about for in today's paper is I we found out this year that you know he had 200 ish days to live when when the Mott uh, tournament was here in town and we knew he was he was diagnosed we knew it wasn't going well but you know you just don't know how fast it's going to happen but he was upbeat he was on top of his game everything went smoothly and the event raised more than two hundred thousand dollars for the mott foundation's fight against cancer and that's kind of how i will remember aaron he's he's you know battling als and he's using one of his one of his last two hundred days to raise money for for cancer research and he texted me after about a month after that to tell me how we did on the fundraiser and I said to him, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be a really small part of this thing. It's awesome. And he responded and said, there are no small parts. And I think that's kind of Aaron. It, it wasn't just taking the stats to the media members at an at, at Arch Madness game. It wasn't just flipping a foul ball to a kid. It was a chance to make somebody's day, a chance to help somebody. And you wouldn't believe, Tom, the people I've heard from. I got a, a message, and I, I mentioned this young man in the, the column, a guy who, who got his first foul ball from Aaron. Um, and now I'm getting photos on Twitter of people who got their first foul balls from Aaron and, and people who have thanked him. We had a chance to thank him um, before he passed for helping them fall in love with Cardinals baseball. I mean, yeah, they're there to see the players, but sometimes an usher can, can make a day. I mean, he signed – there was a story that his sister told me about uh, a little girl who went to the game and got a Build-A-Bear at the ballpark, and she wanted somebody to autograph it really bad. And she couldn't get one from the players at that day, so she was upset. Well, Aaron signed it for her, Aaron the Usher, and she thought he was a rock star. And, and you know, he loved that. Um, he's just—it uh, doesn't have to be a big thing always. It doesn't have to be a million-dollar donation. It can be—it can be, you know, helping someone find a seat. It can be shaking a hand of someone who you, who you haven't met yet. I mean, I think if we can all just try to be a little more Aaron-like we would all be in a better place. Aaron Borchelt had a gift, and that was making people feel good. And he had, and he executed it flawlessly, and he did it with uh, seemingly no effort whatsoever. He just, it was just who he was, but he made it happen for so many people. I And, you know, he would look me in the eye with that handshake and say, what do you say there, big guy? You know, and, and I wouldn't feel like uh, anybody else was around except Aaron and I were immediately talking about what was going on with the ball club, what was happening in hoops. He knew everything that, uh, that was going on, uh, but wanted to know more. And, uh, just, I mean, I just, I, I will miss him so much. Now he would, his first question out of the gate here, if you and I were sitting here with him right now would be, who's going to be the coach of this football team? <laughs> you know, it. And, yeah, that would be, you know, would be he was mentioned. a season <laughs> ticket holder for hoops yep. and football. And I will ask you, it, it, when do you think something will go down? I, it's been over a week now. I would say fairly soon here. I would think that this week you're going to find out who the next football coach at Missouri is. If it goes any further than that, I think you have a major issue. Well, it, naturally it will happen 
this week because I'll be in San Diego. Um, <laughs> right. That's the way this works. Um, and, and I do think there was going to be kind of a pause point until these conference championship games that happened last night wrapped up. Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting situation to see how Sterk responds. So what we know, obviously, is that Sterk kind of floated three names to the curators. Um, the most desirable, I would imagine, being Blake Anderson at, at Arkansas State. And there's also Skip Holtz at Louisiana Tech, as well as uh, Jeff Monken at Army. And the curators kind of pushed back and said, look, these don't, these don't do it for us. So so circle back and go out and see what else is is out there now. Here's the problem with 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 all that, Tom. Is now there's some friction, probably, right? I mean, any coach who's going to be interviewing, any agent whose coach is going to be interviewing, is going to wonder, hey, why did the uh, curators reject your first list? Um, and and how safe are you? And and how secure are things with with this search? And how can we be sure that this guy who's going to go work for you is going to um, be with you, the athletic director who hired him for a long time? Um, the other conversation that's happening right now is how much money is Mizzou talking here? Because if the curators say, look, these names don't move the needle enough for us, then they, they need to actually tell him, and here's what we mean by move the needle, here's more money to go get the coach you want. If Missouri's trying to hire a coach for $3 million in the SEC, it's not going to get a proven name. You're not going to get Lane Kiffin with $3 million. Um, you know, you're going to have to bump it up. You know, I, I've heard... And and I you know this is all you know you know how the rumor mill works but there's at least some speculation that Brian Harson at Boise State won't talk to anybody who's not talking five million so if you're going to get into those waters you got to come with that kind of uh, that kind of a payday so will Sterk look to go the coordinator route will he look to go younger I've always said from day one I think the home run hire is Brian Harson at Boise and if you can't get him then I would take a chance and I would go hire Will Healy from Charlotte the young guy who turned around Austin P and has Charlotte going to its first bowl game he's very young 34 years old but he is kind of this Dabo Sweeney uh, clone almost he they think he's going to be a very big deal everybody in the coaching community loves his energy they think he's going to be a star so Missouri can't always go get those proven star coaches but it might be able to get one and groom him and and grow with him and I think that would rather see that i think that's excitement more so than a than a guy who's bounced around for 15 years and has never had an sec job yeah healy's a lot of fun i mean he that sec inexperience there's only one way to find out it's to put him in there and see if he can get the job done i i think that's a great choice i i think harson is a great name but if you're talking about that price tag missouri's going to have to show up with a, a boatload of cash uh, ben Fredrickson is with us. You don't need a lot of cash to go to the Baseball Writers' Dinner as we transition into baseball for our final discussion here. It's coming up on January 19th at the Marriott Grand. I know we're going to have an amazing time. and We're all a part of it. We planned this about a year in advance. We have some huge names, starting with Ted Simmons, who has a chance to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, he's going to be talked about in front of a new committee but he was one vote shy last year. I think there's an opportunity for him. We know this. He will be at our dinner on January 19th. Yeah, and hopefully with good news there coming tonight, uh, that uh, the announcement of the vet- from the veterans-, veterans Committee is this evening. It kind of kicks off winter meetings in San Diego. The dinner, and I appreciate you giving us a chance to talk a little bit about it, is January 19th, 2020, the 62nd annual St. Louis baseball writers dinner we're going to have a great crowd uh, ted simmons as you mentioned bill james is going to be there winning an award we'll have dave duncan jack flaherty colton wong mike schilt 
Paul Goldschmidt. Um, if you uh, if you like them and they're on the Cardinals, good chances are they're going to be there. And and we have tables and tickets available. It's a great Christmas gift for folks who are looking for that Cardinals fan in, in their life, and it helps fund scholarships for up and coming sports writers. So what I always tell people is if they want to get me out of a job, they should come to the dinner. And then my replacement might get a scholarship. Um, but you mentioned Simmons, and, and I hope so, Tom. I mean, one vote makes should make this committee sit up and uh, pay attention. If he was one vote short last year, um, he deserves to be in. All you have to do is look at the war at the at the catchers who are in the Hall of Fame and see where he ranks on that list. I get it that uh, you know maybe people want to bark about defense, whatever, um, and he played with Johnny in the same area as Johnny Bench, and perhaps that hurt him. But it's time to to let that go and get him in. It's it's overdue. And if you look at his offensive numbers at that position, they're staggering. If you factor in how long he played and, and what he did on that turf at, 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 uh, in St. Louis here, you know, the, the grind that that was and, and just the, the workhorse that he was, he should be in. And I hope that they make this right this year. We will be watching it very closely as Ted Simmons gets voted on tonight for the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's a good possibility of that. Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch is with us. Derek Gould and Rick Hummel, the Hall of Famer, joining you out at the winter meetings in San Diego. Yeah, we'll have full coverage from the uh, from the Post-Dispatch. Commission is going to be on the Hall of Fame announcement, and, and Derek and I will be covering the rest. We'll see. I know Cardinals fans are hungry for offense, and I get it. I mean, <laughs> that's the one part of the team that you don't feel great about coming back next year. But it sounds like, reading Derek Gould's coverage today and just uh, you know talking around the Cardinals, that they're going to be looking at some of these free agent pitchers. I think they'd like to wait, Tom, on seeing what Carlos Martinez can do, but they might not have time. This free agent market on starting pitching is starting to move, and the Cardinals, I don't think, want to be left uh, waiting on him without decent options out there. So we'll see if the market kind of dictates the Cardinals' decision for him this week. We'll get into it a little bit more next hour as well with Chris Raby, who's also going to San Diego for us, along with Mike Claiborne for the Baseball Winter Meetings coverage. The Baseball Writers' Dinner. Boy, these writers put a lot into it. It's an awesome night. You can get tickets at MetroTix.com. The St. Louis chapter, one of the only ones left that does a dinner. Boston and New York would be the others. Ben Fredrickson, terrific coverage in the Post-Dispatch as always. We appreciate you being on KMOX. Safe travels to San Diego. Thanks, Tom. Good talking to you, and I appreciate you uh, giving us a chance to chat about chat about our buddy Aaron, too. Yes, sir. Ben Fredrickson of the Post-Dispatch, the columnist. Read that column. It's on the bottom uh, fold of the Post-Dispatch today, or you can just go to stltoday.com, but as Ben knows, I am a newspaper guy. I like to get my uh, fingers with a little ink on them. We'll come back and hear the speech from Carolyn Kindle Betts and Jim Cavanaugh as the MLS Ownership Group receives the Jack Buck Award at the Jack Buck Sports Awards on Thursday night. Much more coverage on the way in the 11 o'clock hour. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Let's take you to the Jack Buck Sports Awards. Thursday night, the Jack Buck Award goes to the MLS ownership group, Carolyn Kendall Betts. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, and especially we want to thank the Missouri Athletic, Missouri Athletic Club, of course, for putting on tonight's festivities. KMOX, and of course, Fox Sports Midwest for broadcasting tonight's events, and the entire St. Louis community. Um, everybody's been fantastic, so supportive. Um, Jim, myself, and the rest of the team couldn't have done it without you. The downside to following somebody like Mr. Soccer is you literally took every single <laughs> comment I have. So I'm going to say ditto. Um, 
But seriously, uh, for me personally, um, being up here and ex part of the team accepting the Jack Buck Award, it means a lot to me. Um, Jack Buck used to call the games. I spent my entire childhood listening to him. Uh, there's a role he will never know that he played, and that was when he came on the radio. Uh, my sister and I had to call a truce from the daily tormenting of each other. And it was the family time to come sit down and listen because obviously the Cardinals and the Redbirds were our favorite team. Um, but just a little bit more about kind of what I think Jack Buck and his family started was, it's really about the St. Louis community. And that's exactly why the Taylor and the Kavanaugh family decided to go ahead and pursue this MLS team. It's a fact, I never watched soccer. I really never played soccer, and quite frankly, I am the least athletic Taylor female. So sometimes, in fact, I'm up here, quite frankly, is nothing short of a miracle. Um, but what I can tell you is I'm very passionate about the St. Louis community, and along with the Taylors and the Kavanaugh's and the support from all of you and your families, you constantly remind us why this is a great thing that we're doing. Having a professional soccer team will make St. Louis even more important than it already is. It will put us on that international map. There are so many things going on here. I don't need to repeat um, Bill's comments, but I do think it's important to go back to, we are an incredible city, and having that third professional sports team, which we deserve, it will just, it makes me proud to be a St. Louisan. And so every morning when I get up, I'm happy that I'm doing this. There's some days that I'm just like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I get over them quickly. Um, but thank you again for everything. So Jim and I debate back and forth which one of us is the beauty and the brains. Um, the one thing that is definite is that he is the soccer aficionado. So I'm proud to turn it over to my partner, Jim Cavanaugh. Thank you, Carolyn, and uh, thanks for everyone being here. It, it really is an honor, as Carolyn mentioned, uh, and, it's, and it's been so much fun and an honor to work with the Taylor family and specifically Carolyn going through this process. You know, for me, I've actually played the game growing up, grew up in North County, uh, actually loved the game. Uh, yes, all right, for those that are... Uh, so I, I have a passion for the game, but actually a, a big passion for St. Louis and our community and both uh, enterprise here as a company, bringing so much economic activity and jobs and worldwide technology and us coming together. It's, it's just incredibly exciting. And, and the thing I guess I would, you know, I just can't help but, but mentioning being up here. If you look at the athletes that are up here, you look at the executives that are up here, you look at the organizations that are up here, the Blues and the Cardinals, uh, you're talking about just high quality, high character, humble people uh, that, you know, every one of us should be incredibly proud to be connected to. And that is incredibly powerful, you know, to say that about St. Louis. And if you just look at the group, everybody that came up here and talked, it's, it's inspiring. And so when we look at, as an organization, as we're building out MLS for the Lou and bringing this, you know, the, these teams and these organizations, these executives and these players have set a really high bar. And they've, they've, they've created an aspiration for us 
to be able to put that same type of organization together with that type of integrity, that type of character, and that type of fun. I mean, when you look at you know, the, the, the Cardinals winning the World Series and the energy it brings and the recognition of St. Louis, and then you look at the Blues and the parade, I mean, if you can't have fun doing that, I, 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 I'm not sure what to say. So, so anyway, I would just say thank you very much. We are incredibly excited to, to have you know, this opportunity to bring MLS to St. Louis and to create the kind of energy that these other great organizations and great people have created. And thank you guys all for your support. Jim Cavanaugh, one of the owners of the MLS team, which begins play just west of Union Station in 2022, the Jack Buck Award. We'll be back with more sports on a Sunday morning after the news on KMOX. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.